The Bible Study Podcast, episode 527. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the kings of Judah and Israel with 2 Samuel 6. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on. We're going to get two weeks, I think, possibly three, depending on how these break out of Good King David, basically of things going right for David and David doing the right thing. And those two things are not unconnected. Today we get the ark brought to Jerusalem. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all the men went to Baalah in Judah to bring up the ark of God which was called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, Sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day this place is called Pera Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David said, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. He then gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israel, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls and of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house. When he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in your own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So a couple things going on here. So the first thing that we should notice is that 
because David has captured Jerusalem and Jerusalem has become the capital, the city of David, he decides to bring the ark up. And this is a big deal because remember that since the time the ark has been given to Moses, the ark has been more than just a symbol of the presence of God. The ark will become the thing that eventually Solomon puts in the holiest of holies in the temple of Jerusalem. And this is the ark that holds the Ten Commandments and also reminders from along the way of the people of Israel as they came out of Egypt and came into the Promised Land. They put reminders of things that happened along the way into the Ark of the Covenant. And so this is symbolic, but more than just symbolic. And we see this as more than symbolic because of this terrible incident that happens where Uzzah, who's just trying to help with guiding the cart, Um, is killed by God because God becomes angry against him at this irreverent act of touching the ark. You're supposed to maneuver the ark with these long poles and not supposed to touch it. And of course, you know, in chariots of the gods and in other conspiracy theories, people say, well, maybe the ark is electrified. Or we, we don't know anything about that. We just know that you're not supposed to touch it, and touching it is bad. And this is one of the things we learn uh, with Uzzah, uh, Uzzah, who is killed in a place that they name uh, Uzzah, Para Uzzah or Outbreak Against Uzzah. I think David is mad at God for this, but he's also afraid. How can you have this presence of this great and terrible God in the city of David if just accidentally jostling up against the ark is going to get you killed? And we have to understand that sometimes on this side of the cross, on this side of being covered by the blood of Jesus, we forget the great and powerful nature of God. That was not the experience that David and the people of Israel or even their neighbors had. Everyone had a respect for, at this time, God and the power of God and the presence of God that existed in the ark or the presence of God that was manifest or that was represented by the ark might be a better way to say that. It's not like God lives in a little box. And so David at some at this point says, forget the plan, we're going to leave the ark outside. But he leaves it in the house of a man, and that man's family and his businesses and, and everything about him prospers for three months. And so David says, okay, this is a sign to me that I should finish what I was starting on doing. And so he goes and he brings the ark. And, and the second incident that we get here is David, as he's bringing this ark up, is joyful. Now, we know that David was a joyful person or that David was capable of feeling a range of emotions, more so perhaps, or we know more so than perhaps anyone else in the Bible because of the Psalms that he has written. David has written a number of these joyful songs. He's also written songs when he finds himself in the depths of despair. And this is one of those joyful times in David's life. We have basically from this chapter, three more chapters of good King David, of things going well, of David doing the right thing and great things happening. And so he is filled with joy and he expresses this joy before God, this joy that the presence of God is coming to this city that is his, the city of David. And so he dances. He dances before the ark as it's coming in. They also are careful that every six steps they're sacrificing bulls. This is certainly in reference to God, but it's possibly with a mind to what happened to Uzzah. 
And so they are celebrating this coming in of this ark to the city. In fact, they get there, and David gives everybody food. He gives everybody a gift. Now, of course, he's giving them back what they have given him. This is coming from the king's portion. But it is this day of celebration. And David is filled with joy because this is a joyful event. The symbol that the presence of God is coming to dwell among his people. But Michael looks at this and says, this is undignified. And she is ashamed of David. She sees what he is doing and she misinterprets it. And I don't know whether Michael being the daughter of Saul, which they keep emphasizing, if this is something she got from her father. Now, remember, both Saul and David, when God chose them to be kings, were just farmers, just shepherds. They weren't anything special. Saul was out looking for some oxen. David was tending sheep when they got the call. And yet, suddenly we get Michael, who is the daughter of a farmer, but also the daughter of a king, who looks at this son of a shepherd, this shepherd boy become king, this shepherd boy become warrior, become king, and she is aghast because it is undignified what he is doing. Now, that's not to say that what he's doing is necessarily dignified or that you might not be a little embarrassed too. But one of the things I like about David in this period, we see a real contrast between David and Saul. Now, part of the problem is when we see this contrast, we're seeing it between David when he is relatively recently king. He's king for maybe six to 10 years, somewhere in that range. Still a real, reasonably long time. But we saw Saul mostly when he had been king for many years. Most of what is written about Saul as king is written after he's been king for a while. And we do know it has been often said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it is something that may have changed the nature of Saul, or maybe Saul didn't have this humility to start with. But David has always had this humility, hasn't he? When he is offered the chance to kill Saul and solve his problems, he says, how can I do that with the Lord's anointed? I understand who he is. I understand who I am. And yes, the Lord may have anointed me also, but I can't do that. I I know where the boundaries are. I know who I am. And I know what's important, and it's more important to obey God than it is to get myself out of a particular situation. And so similar here, he knows who he is before his God, and he is joyful, and he expresses that joy in just a very natural way. This is not a ceremony that was well concocted and thought up. This is spontaneous, I get this impression. Because Michael didn't know this was going to happen. Right? There was no rehearsal of him dancing before the ark. It wasn't he maybe he was supposed to walk before the ark, but he found himself caught up in this incredible joy of the coming of the presence of God. I wonder how often we are too constrained or we don't understand in the same way that David understood. David understood with fear. David understood in times of anger at God. And David understood it joy at the presence of God. 
I think that's probably one of the things that God loved about David. One of the reasons why for the rest of these books, and I say these books, Second Samuel, and then we're going to go into Kings, we keep talking about a king like David, a king who has the heart like David has. David has a full heart. He has a full heart, and he has a full heart for God. He's wholehearted in his love of God. And Michael is not, unfortunately. And Michael is judged by her own words here. And it says she never has kids to the rest of her life. The implication here is that God does that. It may just be that it would complicate things a lot to have more kids from the lineage of Saul. But it is told in this story that it's in response to this pride that she shows. Pride that she shows for David. As if David were above expressing his joy at the presence of God. Hopefully we will never be above expressing that joy. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.